I just want to start this episode off by saying I have had my fill of anime titties this week. <laughs> <laughs> have you been staying at Colin's house? <laughs> <laughs> no, and that's why I'm disturbed. The funny thing is that like we went to Jetpack yesterday. Please sponsor us. And uh, I was looking Every at the time. manga, yeah. and there was like one with a cover that had huge anime titties. I'm like, Spencer, look at anime titties. I literally ran the other way. I literally just ran the other way. I do not nope. want. Do not want. I do not wish to be horny. Foul <laughs> uh, demon. He just doesn't wish to be anime horny. There is yeah. a difference. <laughs> he doesn't like hentai. It's he a subgenre. Why <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Dime Comic Bros Podcast, episode 10. Woo! Uh, like we don't have to go straight E's. into the news because we have <gasps> housekeeping. Oh my gosh. Housekeeping! Housekeeping! We have to do that every time. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. So, a uh, couple of notes. Now that we are officially on episode 10, we're doing a little bit of a soft relaunch slash soft reboot, if you will. So, uh, we are doing a little bit of a rebranding. Uh, by the time this episode is up, we will have some new channel art and a new logo, as well as some assorted other things. So now we officially have a website at dimecomicbros.podbean.com, uh, as well as a Patreon if you would like to support this podcast in some capacity or just come give it a visit. We have quite a few different tiers with different types of content available to you, including getting your name read off every episode, voting on topics, free stickers... Uh, commissioned art by Colin. That's me. Um, as well as a few other handy dandy little things. So if you just want to shoot over to patreon.com forward slash dime comic bros, um, if you want to throw us some money, that would be cool. If not, we get it because we are broke. I'm just going to be honest here and say my favorite tier is the $1 one because you get a freaking sticker for $1. And bit it's of a like, steal. Yeah. A bit I of a love stick. my stickers. The stickers. I, I also it. like my stickers. I think that's why we all agreed to just have stickers right off the bat. Yeah, of course. So uh, that just is the end of me. housekeeping. So we're just gonna have some slightly different branding moving forward. Format staying the same. We're still weekly. We're not adding some fourth dumbass on this podcast. No, definitely not. Um, three dumbasses. Three dumbasses are is enough. well enough. I mean, two's kind of pushing it, but three is the limit. Yeah, absolutely. So we're now we're gonna just jump into the news. Also, you guys might have uh, noticed my input on this rebranding. We have a brandy new theme song. That is very correct. Jacob put that thing together entirely on his own. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here all week. So news. It's been. It's this has actually been a like actually slow week. You can't week. be so deflated, man. Today, breaking news. Oh my gosh, no. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes, we got it. Oh, we yes. have to. We're doing this. Oh my gosh. I loved this. This was great. You guys uh, sounded like the warring, like, micro dick. It's like, <laughs> no, I am bigger. <laughs> I'm going to read this one because I'm the only PlayStation gamer in the room, as far as I know. Yep. You both are, but <laughs> you're both exponers. Uh... I think I going to say you're both butt naked. I'm like, <laughs> whoa. Wow. Man, no. I wish. <laughs> From comicbook.com, during the new PS5, which is PlayStation 5 for any of you noobs out there, showcase event, Sony and Insomniac Games showed off our second look at Marvel's Spider-Man, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's a typo, my bad. Typo. Marvel's Spider-Man, Miles Morales, which included our first ever look at the PS5 games' gameplay, as well as its 
4K visuals and 60 frames per second if you were watching on a 4K 60 frame per second screen. Otherwise, you didn't give a sh**. Uh, unfortunately, there's still no word of a release date beyond holiday 2020. Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales is set one year after the events of 2018's Marvel's Spider-Man, making it in 2019, in a wintry Harlem, the neighborhood of protagonist Miles Morales. I think we should say his name a couple more times just to make sure we know who the Spider-Man is. You remember mean, everyone. No, don't you mean Marvel's Spider-Man, Miles ah, Morales? Yes. Uh... Winery Harlem, neighborhood of protagonist Miles Morales, uh, which is on the verge of being torn apart by a vicious war between an energy corporation and a criminal organization. What's the difference? Uh, yeah, I was just going to ask. Like, Why do it, I feel like that's going to be a major theme? That's what the DLCs were, and also most of the main story yeah. of the original. Great game. So, yeah, it's the only one I've platinumed. Really? The only one ever, dude. Wow. Wow. While Marvel's Spider-Man... Typo again. I think the article had that typo, now that I think about it. Wow. While Marvel's... Mar <laughs> While Marvel's Spider-Man, Miles Morales, is set a year after the first game, again, 2019, it's not technically a sequel. A sequel starring Peter Parker, not Parker, uh, will come eventually, but for now, Insomniac Games is focused on telling the coming-of-age story of Miles Morales. I am not adding these names in. This is how the article reads. Yeah, it's, a, it's honestly a bit of a rough read. Seriously, there are pronouns in existence. Someone please edit this. That said, this isn't DLC or even an expansion. It's a standalone experience. In other words, think of it as a spin-off. In fact... Insomniac Games itself has likened it to 2017's Uncharted The Lost Legacy, which was pretty much a DLC, a really, really big DLC as far as I understand it. It's still pretty good, though. But not as big as Witcher 3 DLC. Honestly, that best DLC I've ever played in terms of quality and price. Like, 15 bucks for each expansion. I've never made it to for... the DLC. I've, Bro. I'm just buried in the freaking world. Bro, get through that. Go through the Witcher 3 DLC. It's great. <sighs> so, I am honestly really excited for this. I'm really glad that Miles Morales is finally getting some mainstream attention these days. It's a freaking phenomenal character. And the, they have a very different take on him from this universe, which I'm quite digging. Cool. Uh... Yeah. Colin, do you like Spider-Man? I like Spider-Man. Okay. Wow. Next. No, no, I'm just kind of concerned that it is, <clears throat> like, Lost Legacy, which is, like... Judging by the gameplay that's been like... released and, like, the, the, the <clears throat> other summaries, it does look like it's just another game. It's just... Yeah. It's just not necessarily as big as the first one. So, I don't know. We'll it, see. It seems like they were trying to cobble it together in a short amount of time to get it on the PS5, and they didn't have time. It to is going to be a, a cross-gen game, which sequel. is true. Yeah. So who knows? I don't know. Who knows what's going on behind the scenes? Already. I haven't even gotten Lost Legacy because it just seemed like it should have been a more expensive DLC because that's what it should have been. Potentially. And it's just the principle of it, man. Yeah. So uh, next piece of news: Marvel's uh, WandaVision got its first trailer released. Yes. We watched that. Uh, before you got here about five nice. minutes before you got here we do our homework nice sir, yes, on sir. this very professional podcast 
I'm I'm digging it like a lot. Oh yeah, big dig. Oh, I love it. I have one nitpick. Oh, it's such a dumb nitpick, and I already told this me. to Jacob. Wait, yep. is it the aspect ratio? Negative. I don't even understand that. I don't know how aspect oh, ratio. Like thought, I'm not. I'm, I'm not that nerdy. I, I thought will. it was gonna be an don't. aspect ratio joke. Okay, okay, no, 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 no. Your no, mind's no. Let, be blown. Let, listen. So I have a huge nitpick, biggest nitpick in the world. The in black and white, I don't like how Vision looks because I don't think like the maroon burgundy whatever color is dark enough because okay so you know in the black and white superman show or like movie i can't remember yeah. which one it is anyway they made the red on his uh quote-unquote red on his suit brown the yeah. costume is brown right. so that it would show up like looks like dark like it would be red in black and white i think they should have made his color in that scene at least like a brown to make it darker I kind color. of agree with you now that I think about it. I only it watched weird. it like twice. He looks flushed out because it looks like all you see are lines and not really right. any it doesn't look colored that's uh, true. definition. Fair point. I was going to say maybe you thought it looked too dark and then it looked like Paul Bettany was wearing blackface. But once I actually think about reality, that's entirely the opposite. Mm-hmm. He looks too freaking pasty. Yeah. Fair point. I don't know. The uh, I really liked... I wasn't surprised by almost anything the witch at the end no. i don't know who that is yet i haven't done my homework yeah, all the way either. okay all right um but it looks like it was shot on a high def camera with a black and white filter thrown over it like oh, it's got extreme oh, frames and and everything so it's like you're kind of beating the pretty purpose. sure they're playing up the fact that the it was look. yeah which was something i thought would be interesting is if they played with the aspect ratio in the actual show rather than just the little bit that was in the trailer like if depending right. on the time period you'd have like the the oldest one would be in four by three but also has like the rounded edges on it and it was like more patchy and faded like actual recordings which i have no clue if they're actually going to be doing or not but that just just something i thought would be kind of neat something that is quite interesting that i'm i'm definitely looking forward to is the fact that this is now our first thing in phase four yeah. It was originally oh, gonna, yeah. it was originally going to be Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but they haven't been able to finish filming because of all the assorted pandemic stuff, as well as I believe an earthquake. I thought um, you were going to say all the assorted crises. It's very true. That is crises. The twenty twenty. Yeah, no. Effect. So that is going to end. Up, that's been getting delayed and pushed. This is just they were able to do so much of it on a soundstage and such that this is going to be our first look at Phase Four. It's the Yay. only thing coming out in twenty twenty for the MCU, which is a topic of later discussion in the news oof uh any more thoughts on this uh when allegedly uh holiday 2020 uh according to some listings of like the the coming soon stuff judging on where there are like patches in the schedule like post mandalorian and such it's probably gonna be december somewhere between like thanksgiving and christmas so that means we have a whole month to dig through mandalorian and then we get to december and watch wandavision yep Yes. I'm so excited. Excitement. So we have a uh, next piece of news is from Variety.com. Quote, HBO Max has given a straight-to-series order for the character Peacemaker, a spinoff from the upcoming Suicide Squad. It's incorrect. It's The Suicide Squad. Thank film. you. I was going to make that correction. I'm kind of annoyed that Variety made a big typo like that. Uh, John gosh. Cena will play the title role, reprising his role from the film. The film's writer and director, James Gunn, will also write the series and direct multiple episodes, including the pilot. HBO Max has ordered eight episodes of the show based on the DC Comics character, which is described as an action-adventure comedy. 
The exact plot of the series is being kept under wraps, but it is said it will explore the origins of Peacemaker, a man who believes in peace at any cost, no matter how many people he has to kill to get it. Production <laughs> is slated to begin in early 2021. The, the, this just happened. It's really funny. James Gunn just came out on Twitter and was like, no, HBO Max just contacted me. They're like, dude, you want to do a spinoff of this movie before it's even finished or come out? He's like, yeah, I got some ideas. And they're like, write a script. And he's like, okay. So they're just doing it. Like he just did all, he, they've sorted all this stuff out basically from James Gunn's couch. So something that's got me going, hmm, this is the same news about the Batman's TV show. Kind of. It's yeah. also on HBO Max, right? Yeah, and it's getting announced before the they actually under they see the success or potential it, it, failure of what's uh, actually the going movie, on. right? So they're really so, banking on their creators these uh -huh. days. They're going now. We actually trust you to do something. And also good. their service. That's good. I'm glad. It's just it kind of came out of left field, which is just funny. It's like now I'm gonna do it on John Cena. And his name is John Cena. <laughs> And apparently the timeline is unknown if it's before or after the movie, meaning it sounds like origin, so probably before. But, you know, maybe it's after, and we now know he's not going to die. Who knows? So we also got a trailer for Marvel's Hellstrom, uh, which I thought looked pretty interesting and also very dark. Like, by comparison, not just physically, but, like, tonally, like, it looks to actually be very spook. I'm interested. Do you guys have any thoughts on Marvel's Hellstrom getting a trailer? Uh, yeah, Colin and I should have done our homework. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Interesting. But Something I will note is the Marvel Studios slash Marvel logo was not anywhere to be seen. Whoa. Which Whoa. you wouldn't expect Marvel Studios to be on it because they didn't do anything with it. But it like Marvel Television did it, so you'd expect the Marvel logo to be on it somewhere. But it looks like maybe because Snowers this was produced be this was produced before uh, Marvel Television and TV merged just into Marvel Studios. Mm -hmm. So maybe, you know, Kevin Feige slash the rest of the people over at Marvel Studios are just trying to, like, dissociate it, whether literally, like, they're just going to boot it out of continuity or they just don't want to market it as an MCU thing. Because this is actually, actually the first thing from Phase 4, technically, technically, because it's coming out in October. But it's also Our listeners didn't see Spencer push his glasses up his nose as he was saying, Well, actually... <laughs> this is true. Uh, so the next three th bits of news came all at once in a little article that got published. Uh, Marvel's Black Widow is delayed to May 2021. Marvel's Chang-Chi uh, is delayed to July 2021. And Marvel's Eternal is delayed to November 2021. Uh, the rest of the films and TV shows for the rest of Marvel's Phase 4 uh, did not get official release dates announced, other than the, like, other Falcon. Than delayed. Yeah, other than <laughs> Falcon and Winter Soldier and such, and Loki getting delayed into 2021. I don't remember if we have specific release dates for those yet, uh, but we're only going to get three movies next year, and honestly, I'm down. I, I'm really glad that we're getting this entire gap year away from going to the cinema to watch Marvel movies. I'm really happy about this. I was going to say, you said only getting three Marvel movies next year, and I'm like, that's three more than we got this year. It's true. But, you know, we already had a big gap uh, over this year and then bits of last year after um, Spider-Man Homecoming came out. Mm -hmm. Not Homecoming. Blech. Far from Far home. From. Um, after that came out, we already had that big gap, and there was supposed to be like eight months before Black Widow came out. And then since all of this has started happening, it's going to be like a year and a half with nothing. 
and I'm really down. That hasn't happened since 2009, wow. and this is pretty cool because wow. it's a good breather. Wow. 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 Um, yeah. So, wow. Jacob. Yes. Only one piece of Snyder Cut news. I know, and it's at the very end. I'm so proud of it's you. It's actually not the end because there's more stuff, but... You son of a bitch. Sorry, news <laughs> comes out after I send out the agenda. Uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League is getting its additional photography coming in October, which apparently includes uh, Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, Gal Gadot, and Ray Fisher. Um, so this is the quote-unquote additional scenes he wanted to add that is getting added in because it's becoming a series so they can extend the runtime a little bit. And the couple of things that didn't get finished from the, the initial reshoots, like the stuff with Martian Manhunter, one would assume. Um, so Green Lantern? Green Lantern, Green Lantern is already... I'm putting on my tinfoil hat because I know I know things that I shouldn't know slash have connected dots that might not actually be connected. All that stuff's already done. So the, the couple of things that uh, need to get polished up for it to be done filming uh, is coming in October. And they officially announced how much the actual finished product is going to cost them, and it's seventy million dollars. It was originally projected. Oh, it was originally projected to be between thirty to, uh, I believe, forty when the initial announcement came out. They're like probably thirty-ish just to, to polish it off. And now that they're nearly done, they just decided to release the number that um, HBO Max is pumping into this. And this reeks to me of. They're not done with Zack Snyder yet. Right. I think that they're waiting until it becomes popular, and then, you know, the app bloody explodes. Um, and they're going to announce he's back in some capacity, potentially to finish his original plan, but on HBO Max. Um, I'm down. I That's my tinfoil hat theory, but one would assume they'd go, okay, you can have the $30 million to finish what you've already shot, to do all the CGI that needed to get finished, but not to shoot an additional, like, five to ten minutes of footage that he apparently wants to add. Right. Then they're adding in all of that stuff, which all has to be pumped through post-production over the next, like, six months to a year, whenever it comes out. That's just... It smells like they're not here for a one-time investment. They want more seasons of Zack Snyder's Justice League. And so do you. And I'm down. Very down. Next. Uh, so we have an article from Variety.com. Quote, the boys could be getting a spinoff. Variety has learned that Amazon <laughs> is... Is it going to be the girls? <laughs> no, it's going to be the teens. Oh. Finish. Uh, Variety has learned that Amazon is fast-tracking development on a new iteration of the popular comic book series adaptation. The spinoff is set at America's only college exclusively for young adult superheroes, or soups as they are known, that is run by Vought International. It is described as an irreverent R-rated series that explores the lives of hormonal competitive soups as they put their physical, sexual, and moral boundaries to the test, competing for the best contracts in the best cities. Part college show, part Hunger Games, with all the heart, satire, and raunch of the boys. End quote. How can you make the boys even more hormonal and horny? Genuinely asking. And raunchy. Yeah, like how can you crank that up to a more quote-unquote teenage level? Kind of scary. And, yeah. But also, so down for this. No. More. I'm not interested. Give me more. No. More. More boys. <laughs> it's like a CEO okay. at Amazon Prime Videos. <laughs> saw all the headlines about Netflix's cuties and said, oh, we can get away with that. Oh, oh dude. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, so we have another article. This is our last piece of news from Deadline.com. This happened right before I showed up here. 
Quote, Disney Plus is developing a new Marvel series with Samuel L. Jackson <clears throat> attached to reprise his role of Nick Fury, sources confirmed to Deadline. The project is in its early stages and details are being kept under wraps, but we're told Kyle Bradstreet uh, from Mr. Robot will write and executive produce and Marvel Studios will produce. End quote. This one I'm interested in. Same. It oh, doesn't yeah. say that it's a Nick Fury series. Right. They said it includes him. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, it's also going to be Samuel L. Jackson's first time committing to a television role that's like continuous, which is interesting. interesting. Huh. He's done cameos and he's done brief roles. And right. he's, he's cameoed on like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and such, but this is would be his first like television role. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it really television though? If fair it's a enough. Streaming service show. When it gets on modern television. When it gets put onto the physical disc or on a digital copy when you buy it it all plays out the same, so who really cares? But this is interesting. I'm thinking this might be a sword spin-off because judging by the end of Far From Home and where Nick Fury is and then where like the end of Agents of Shield ended, we're in space now. Mm-hmm. Lots of space things. Mm-hmm. So if they're going to give him a spinoff in the future, one would hope they're not doing more prequel stuff. And this is where I say you're wrong. Why, though? Because it's in space, right? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Who else is in space? It's Silver Surfer, baby! He's back! That'd be so out of left field, and I'd also be stupidly down for that. <laughs> Why on earth would that be intermingled with Nick Fury, though? Confusion. Because why not? True. Uh, yeah, that's the end of the news. Yeah. That kind of Yay. broke headlines today. That was a little odd. So, that is the end of the news. We're gonna segue into our main topic now. Uh, we're gonna be talking about Spider-Man Life Story, which is a six-issue miniseries written by Chip Zdarsky and illustrated by Mark Bagley, uh, published in 2019. Oh, really? I didn't know it was 2019. Yes, it's oh, very new. Oh, I would whoa. also like to call out that it was. Spencer's copy that we shared for a couple of weeks. Yes, Thank ma'am. You, Spencer. You're welcome, son. So, we definitely pinched our pennies on this one. Definitely. Uh, so, who wants to start off with some thoughts? Obviously, main topics are always a spoiler discussion. So, of course. Um, well, I actually I was surprised that I enjoyed the art style because I'm super picky about really? art style. It's Mark Bagley though. Like he is oh, yeah, the but... he's the Spider-Man homie. But remember, I'm super picky with art styles. You are matter. very it's anal like, Where's about the things? book? Because I have a I, frame that okay. I want to call out. There was okay. a couple of stuff that was rough, I, but like that's what happens. I bought the book right after I finished reading Spencer's because it's good. Dang. So maybe we didn't pinch our pennies on this one. Thanks for blowing okay. a hole in that. Okay. Coat. Okay. Let's be honest here. I waste my money, so I'm always broke because of comics. What are you doing on this show? Yeah, it's Mark Bagley. He's been doing most of the the best Spider-Man runs for the past, like, 25 years. That frame bugs me so bad. Why? Because freaking Peter Parker is hunched, like, shoulders way up, neck way forward. He looks like a total (laughs) pedo right there. He's kind of just a nerd. A little bit. Um, but like, what? That's one panel out of. Wait a minute. Like, uh, also, five hundred panels. J. Jonah Jameson is fugly. He's always supposed to His be. His face fugly. looks like he's supposed it was to be rearranged with a baseball bat. So I think we should talk about this, like going through it through the decades. Yeah, that's probably a good place to start. This book t- takes place over the entirety of Spider-Man history, but as if it happened in real time, which I love. It's so, so cool. The I- first issue starts us off in the 1960s. Yes, sir. And then the last one happens in the 20 t- late 2010s, or is it te- well technically? 
Yeah, technically late 2010s. Sure. Yeah, so something on that note of, I thought this was a phenomenal love letter for anybody who's re- like read Spider-Man for more than a little amount of time, but this is definitely not a way to introduce people to Spider-Man. Definitely not. You have to have at least somewhat <clears throat> of an understanding of Spider-Man history for the, the total sequence of events to make mm-hmm. sense, like, why they're important. It just highlights all of, like, the most important things to happen to Spider-Man and the fan favorites, obviously. Yeah, so we have Venom, <clears throat> Craven. Uh, the Clone Saga, Gwen Stacy, Green Goblin, blah, 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 blah. Like, all that stuff. And we got Miles Morales at the end. Yeah. Great. But it was in space, and I didn't know if that let's, was referring to anything. Let's leave... Let's <sighs> wait for that. Let's I'm leave sorry. the hopeful note for the end. Yes, sir. Um, so something that I really wanted to... that I, the Probably my favorite part of the book was the fact that it uses the Superhero Registration Act mm-hmm. as the backdrop of the entire book. Mm. So I, I really like the fact that it just starts off, uses the Vietnam War as a very big backdrop. I'd say part of the spine of this book. Um, that was a really bad pun. Uh, but also using the Superhero Registration Act for like four of the six decades of this book mm-hmm. is really, really nice. I thought that that was really well done. So Captain America goes rogue over in Vietnam. I loved that during the so 60s. much. Yep. And I That's... thought it was a really decent nod towards Civil War. But no, Civil War is later in this book. Yeah, no. Right, I know. But the... it's like, it's the same reasoning That's that the characters 67. would do. Right. But different timeline. I do, I love how much, like, Captain America is, is so... I don't want to say modern Captain America because Captain America has been kind of anti-establishment for the past like 40 years, but it's so, no, this is the guy who's standing for the ideas that America could stand on, not the For the what horrible, America is. Right. It's it's for the ideas, not for what we've kind of turned it into. And I really like that. Yes. So my point with this was that uh, it's his rogueness, I guess, uh, is referenced in right there, the third page yep. of issue two and it's never talked about again like i don't know it kind of left I mean, it, it, well, it felt like it was undone a little bit there was a no little i mean he does go conclusion. missing for the reader for like what another like decade and a half until yeah. he comes in like he where the quote unquote, civil war actually comes in right that's so, true uh we Maybe that was just me having the knowledge of all the Civil War and Civil War like ancillary comics mm-hmm. where I knew he'd be doing Secret Avengers stuff in the background as soon as I noticed he like disappeared from the book. Uh, but that was me making an assumption. Gotcha. So with the 1960s, we go through uh, Spider-Man as he's in college, and he is with Gwen Stacy, and it's before they end up in a relationship. And it ends with sending... Flash Thompson off to war. That was great. I love how well they used Flash in this. Yeah, I like that. Like and they got also they past showed... the bullying phase already, mm-hmm. and they're just into the, like, there's a little bit of mutual respect, but he's a big old Spider-Man not, fanboy. Not yet. Not until uh, after he apologizes in the bar. Right. Because he practically embarrassed uh, Flash and, call- and reminding everyone of how he was a bully instead of um, realizing what the man he became. Right. I just, I did, like, I like how that's, like, the beginning. It's like, as soon as you hop into Decade 2, Flash is dead. Yep. Like, just right off. But okay. it, it felt, that felt like the yeah, kick gonna... in the pants to, like, at like adulthood. Obviously, yeah. they're already adults in the 60s, but more of the maturity of the Spider-Man comics themselves. Once you got past the late high school into college days, it kind of kicked up in tone a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
And so as we get into the 70s, which is 1977, we see uh, Peter Parker at a gravestone talking about what's happened and giving a brief summary to the grave, uh, the, to the uh, person in the grave. And we find out that he is now married to Gwen Stacy. And, and uh, after the right, actually at the second page, we find it says Eugene Flash Thompson. January 20, 1947 to April 16th, 1974. So that was like, that was, I should have seen that, but like it was kind of a shocker for me because I thought he was just talking to Ben or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was like, uh, Flash was like, oh, right out as I was just sitting in work, and like just enjoying my lunch. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that was awesome. Very good use of uh, expectations. And uh, we go on to. Uh, seeing Peter Parker in a lab with Mr. Fantastic, and we see that notorious newsletter that Jacob was just complaining about. <laughs> and uh, talking about political debates, which I actually enjoy the the little... Um, I liked all the big brain boys, like having yeah. so much back and forth in this book between mm-hmm. like... Reed Richards and Peter Parker and Otto and like everybody, just all of the Otto being happy that he's with May now. Yeah, I like how they, they in the beginning again they just skipped over him being evil for a while and then they go back to it later. Uh huh. Like, that was cool. So, way way back about a month ago when I read Gotham White Knight, I was complaining about politics in my comic books. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really like how this book handled politics. Nice. It's, it's quite it's quite light. Yeah. It. It just round of applause. It just they, uses it as a backdrop in a way to uh, hold a chron- uh, chronology of time. Yep. And then they also have, like, someone will state their opinion, and someone will state the exact opposite, and then as the first guy is about to retort, they're interrupted, and that's it. Yep. It's like, there's two sides to this coin. Move on. And yep. boom. Done. Nice. I like it. And I would like to point out the costume changes in oh, every decade. Oh, yeah. And I, the suits I just, are so sexy. Yeah. Like, we get armor plating on shoulders, uh, forearms, kneecaps, shins for Spider-Man. And he also has my favorite uh, web backpack. I just love that. Yeah. He just continuously has that just to put his clothes and shoes I've in. I've always loved that. Like that. It's cute. Mm-hmm. He's got his little bag. And during this, we, um, we also find out... That MJ's Mary Jane, yeah, MJ is a bitch, of course, but mm-hmm. she's married to Harry. Of course, she's married to Harry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that happened in main continuity as well. That shouldn't have necessarily been a surprise. Really, I didn't know that. If I remember correctly, I might be wrong, but they were at least in a very serious relationship for a fairly long amount of time. Oh yeah, I could figure On that. On the note of relationships, I really liked how they used both Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane, but in mm-hmm. very Spider-Man-esque ways, like something with film adaptations, I think they're going to always have a problem with, is doing more than one serious love interest. I can't, I don't like Mary Jane as his love interest. I never did. I, I always like Gwen Stacy because Mary Jane always feels like just like a, oh, The backup hey, plan because Gwen yeah. died. Yeah, because Gwen I think died. that's the point. There's no, I, yeah, that's the point. I, but it's also, I don't know, I just, I can't like her. S- I think the idea, generally speaking, is that, like, she was, it. like, Peter is like, oh, crap, there's a backup, like, but it was more of the, she was always there, and it just wasn't, like, the center of attention. And she kisses really well upside down in the rain. Also true. Also, uh, Kinky. 
relationship notes in this book. Uh, Peter Parker says something to Mr. Fantastic about Mr. Fantastic's wife leaving him for a man under the sea, and Ooh, I do no. not... Namor. Namor. When? Sometime previous to that event, obviously. So it's Sometime, just it's in this just, book? Yeah, it's just backstory of... It's not... He's, they're already divorced. He's already salty old mis- old man, Mr. Fantastic. Like, that comment is the only thing I knew about this. I was like, yeah. what? You know, in uh, Fantastic Four lore, from basically from the beginning, she's always had not... She doesn't necessarily have affection for Namor, but, like, he's always been, like, hardcore crushing on her, like, real bad. Mm-hmm. And then it's always come up in many, many plot lines. It's, huh. Namor's just a horny boy. I um, had no idea. Yeah, no, it's a really... I, I really did enjoy that, and it's such, like, saltiness, and he just, just slaps Peter upside the face, like, dude, that sucks. That that was a bit of that was a bit of a hard dig. Uh, I I just love that this book has so many like twists and turns because it's like oh this is so dumb it's already happened I'm like oh wait that's the point it's the life story it's just supposed to be like real time. Have everything. to say they made the Clone Saga work. Yes, they did. Because uh, nobody would claim that the original Clone Saga worked even remotely close. It lasted like a decade and it was uh-huh. garbage. Uh huh. Most of it was crap. And this, this is does Jacob not like how they used clones in this? Okay, so I don't know anything about the clone saga in real life, but this one felt like they twisted one too many times and I was confused Fair. at the very end. Because Oh, okay, right, yep. So here's my note that our listeners aren't gonna understand. Ben Parker leaves with Gwen clone in book two. Yep. But comes back as the real Peter in book four. Yep. Right. So what happened to Gwen? Gwen died. Oh, yeah, they, the Gwen she, clone yeah. that has been his wife for 20 years. We're going years. to assume she died. Yeah, I believe that he name-dropped it. That He's been living... Um, the reason that actual Peter gave him gave Ben, the, the clone, his life towards the end of his was the fact that, like, Ben, the clone, has been kind of living, like, a shallow life. Like, even Gwen's died. Like, there's just nothing there for him because he has to live as somebody that he's not. So then he does, he pulls that switcheroo where he pretends to Ben that Ben is actually the real Peter, and then he just gives him it's his kind identity. Alright, so somebody was lying, and I didn't pick up on it. I took it all as truth. So No. Well, yeah, at we, the end, we, when, when Peter he goes to confront Osborne. Yeah, when the real Peter, near the end of the book, just gives his identity to Ben Parker, the clone, yep. because yep. he feels bad for him because basically he has the the clone has all the same memories he feels as though he's had the same life experience right so peter feels like he basically stole that from him even though it was still peter's life right and peter is not fulfilled because he's not with mary jane or his family anymore so he just is like here you can have my life i need to go live this quiet life with my family now but that's my point is that ben leaves his established life with he doesn't the really Gwen have because he has to live on the DL because he looks like the head of Parker Industries. He has to right, live he on the quiet living with the Gwen Club, right? And that's what I'm hung up on. She he just, just leaves the clone. As his I'm wife. gonna flip through this because okay. I'm pretty sure he said that she just kind of died because they got old. It, so that. what? It is safe to presume, even if they didn't say it, that she's just dead, because Gwen always dies. So we're always going to assume that also she's going to die. That's cheating. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, but it is well. What it obviously, is. this book is, in that sense, kind of cheats with everything because it has to pull off of so much of your like pre-existing Spider-Man knowledge. Listen, it was a joke, all right. Okay, just laugh. 
I don't think it gets name dropped. I might be wrong, but it, it feels at least because I reread it like three times. At least for me, it felt implied because uh, Peter says to Ben, "You've lived a quiet life while I lived the loud one, but I'm tired now. I can't can't do it anymore." So it it right. just feels as though Ben basically had to live a quiet fake life on the DL, and Gwen With probably a clone just life. right. But they're both clones, so it doesn't really matter because yeah, they're the still people. Yeah, the clone wife doesn't care. <laughs> Her husband just leaves. Um, I'm harping. So next. Uh, so let's see. That yeah, the second chapter we see that we don't need a summary, Colin. We read the book. But okay, the I'm talking to the didn't. listeners, dummy. But this isn't a summary show. It's a spoiler show. We're just Whatever. talking about the cool shit we like and the stuff we didn't like. Okay, fine. Give I thought it'd be nice because the chapters summary. are already. We'll meet in the middle. One sentence okay. summary. All right. So book three, the eighties. Eighties. This is where we talk. Uh, where they talk about the secret wars. Secret wars. Yay. Yep. The original secret wars, not the twenty fifteen different secret wars. Okay. One sentence summary. So we have the infinity. Ooh. We <laughs> we have the <laughs> secret wars where uh, that in the comics with the original secret wars introduced. Uh, the symbiote, and this is a. I think you mean symbiote. No, it's, it's definitely symbiote. <laughs> where we don't the, talk about that movie. Where the symbiote is one of the main key things of this chapter. So, black suit is epic. Yes, yeah. black suit is really good. We I, all love I black suit. I like the fact that. That's probably the... why Spider-Man 3 is my favorite of the three. Wow, oh. that's a controversial opinion. Yeah, I think that was the thing that I really... Um, there are two things in this decade that I really enjoyed was the sense of the the symbiote suit was kind of the thing that tore their marriage apart in that sense yep. of because she understood that he just can't stop being Spider-Man. Yep. I like the fact that she still, because she still loved him, was still saved him from the suit and himself and didn't just ditch him immediately. But like, next day, it's like, I, I gotta take the kids and go. It seemed like I wouldn't say peaceable, peaceable by any means, but like it Ooh. wasn't. It probably wasn't hostile. It was just like a you know this was gonna happen. It's just gotta go. I understand. Type yeah, of thing. he's and, sitting there. He's like, I understand. Right. Whatever. He just but it kills me inside. Right. And then the other thing which Colin's looking at right now is the fact that Vision, Vision. Yes. was in the middle of the the character of Vision, the android, was in the middle of a giant explosion that just killed a bajillion people. And he's traumatized. And he's so traumatized by it that he's staying intangible. Like, he, nobody can interact with him. He doesn't, you can see him, but you can't touch him. He's just so your traumatized hand goes right by all him. the death that he just saw. And that was really cool. And that's what really made me realize how melancholy of a book this is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which really, Spider-Man books kind of are, in that sense, they're a little depressing. For the most part, they are optimistic, but they always have a bit of a depression to I them. I mean, the point of the book is to realize... Uh, that you're you're getting older. It's kind of a memento mori theme. Uh, right. Remember your death. Right. That you will die. Oh, that death. We got we got to get there because that was mm -hmm. some good stuff. So <laughs> yes, I I honest I found it really funny that freaking Tony Stark is still like up and kicking just to spite Peter. Like he's like probably a decade and a half, two decades older. He's still hanging around, just like nah, dude. The, oh, we yeah. we got to talk about this this registration thing, but um, oh, I forgot the, to mention the redu the way that they incorporated Venom into this was really cool. Yes, because when Peter comes out of the grave after being buried by alive by Craven, and the mm -hmm. symbiote comes to him and he's able to get out of the grave, he looks 
a lot closer to Venom than he does to Spider-Man. There yep. is no Eddie Brock Venom in this book, mm. which I thought was basically really cool. is Venom at right. one point. He, when he loses himself, that's how far he goes. And then later in the book, when Craven becomes the host for the symbiote, because obviously that man could not have survived another like 20, 30 years. No, I mean it's I just, didn't. His body is just being used by the parasite. I didn't even think about that because I was. I thought maybe he keeps the body like alive, but I'm like that's never a thing about symbiote. It's always like he's feeding off of. Yeah, and his the man person. was already dying of cancer, and he was yeah. already like in his fifties or sixties. Yeah. So he is just being a host body, and that was really cool. It worked with the whole revenge on Spider-Man being part of the vet, being like Venom's driving force. Yeah. But it just negated the entire need for. Eddie Brock and I thought that was like really economical storytelling mm-hmm. that was pretty neat I liked that and then we're on to 1995 issue 4 issue 4 where Doc Ock is mean again he's bad boy sad boy he's so freaking old dude he's so gross looking and also where uh, where we get Tony Stark is back being spiteful and shit like Spencer said yeah and another suit change. I actually like this suit change a I, lot more than all of them. I like all of the suits equally, I think. Except maybe the last one, just because it's a little bit more space suity. But I, I love the suits. I don't like the last one. But I would like to touch on how I thought I thought it was so funny, like seeing Peter Parker as basically Bruce Wayne in like a um, like you see him with the the white in his hair on the sides of the um of, of his head he's and a rich boy in charge of a company yeah rich boy in charge of a com- company and then you realize he dresses up as spider-man like or he is spider-man but like he puts on the spider-man suit it's so yeah. weird like i accept i, I was thinking about it like batman but yeah. first way puts on a batman suit but like that i feel like i accept that way more than peter parker a businessman the, putting on a spider-man i suit. think that was something that worked really well in like in favor of how they did this because the whole parker industries storyline in main continuity was controversial Mm-hmm. And a lot of people argue didn't work well with the character of Peter Parker, which I kind of agree with. Um, and I like the fact that they used it in this way to go, he's not happy doing this. It's not no. healthy for him to just turn into an old businessman to just like keep working on the company and not have a life. That's not how Peter Parker should be operating. And I, I just really, really dug that. So... Um, to kind of wrap up towards the the later end of his life, uh, we already hit on him like Peter transitioning into a quiet life with his own family. I I really liked that moment where he like just came on the property uh, where his wife lived. I believe it was some middle of nowhere freaking state. I don't remember where it was. Yeah, it was just a random place. But yeah, I liked that. That was kind of weird. I liked how but, she's like... just standing in the doorway. Like that's what MJ always does. Like she's always there. Yeah, she's always in the doorway. She's just chilling in the door. She's just she's just waiting. She's always been the type of romance. She just waits for Peter. Like, that's just part of her character. And I thought that was really well um, done. I like the fact that his kids have superpowers. That was neat. They incorporated the, uh, the Spider-Verse event really well with the stupid spider totems and stuff, which was horrible in main continuity, but here it's so brief. And yeah, because Peter's just like, yeah, I'm that. some sort of, like, spider totem thing or whatever. I yeah, was told about Moreland, this later, but and, let's go get him. Right, and then Moreland comes by, and then his kids just beat the ever-living shit out of him. And that was great. I don't know anything about the totems. Yeah. It's so dumb. The original Spider-Verse comic event was really rough. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then we get to Civil War at the end of this decade, and man, everybody's so bloody old. I know, that was so depressing. I really, really like that suit, though. That suit from that decade, the black with the little bit of red. Oh. And it's got, like, the collar. Yeah, I like uh, how oh, yeah, bulky like he that. is. Like, you can tell oh, he's yeah. not 
he's not like Captain America in terms of like bulk and like lean, but like he's just getting older and like a bit yeah. wider. I like the bulky Spider-Man. So in the original Civil War, uh, it was a big turning point when Spider-Man revealed his secret identity. Yeah. And that's not how it goes down in this book. It's uh, kind of why people are fighting in this book is because everybody knows his identity. Yeah, I, that so, was pretty neat. Yeah, it was interesting how they changed it to fit this story. Yeah. Uh, and it's not better or worse. It's just just different. Yeah, different. I, I think like the, the the weakest part of this book, I have to say, is probably the last issue. Yep. And not because it's I was gonna bad, but because there's so much shoved in it. It mm-hmm. feels forced. They go over uh, the follow up to the symbiote. They follow up on Craven the Hunter. They have the Superior Spider Man hinted at. They have Miles Morales, and it's just it feels like so much. And I like all of the ideas. It just feels like it could have been spread out a little bit more, or one of them could have been trimmed off. I was also confused because Doctor Doom has apparently taken over the world. And yep. that that is an allusion to the 2015 Secret World event, where when they reform the ultimate uh, the ultimate universe and the mm-hmm. main 616 universe into one battle world where Doom's in charge. Uh-huh. It was an allusion to that. I'm pretty confident. I do like the uh, the Doom uh, Doom world there. Yeah, the suit also, for this decade is kind of lame because it's basically just a space suit, but it's understandable. He's old. It's his old man jammies. Pre- yeah. Old man jammies. Uh, also, like, he's trying to stop some death ray in space, and that's all we know about it. Is, yeah, that was oh, a bit. Oh, I gotta stop the death ray in space. And it's like, you what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I did like the, end, like the ending in terms of it becoming like a mental battle with like his own personification of all of his old foes yep, just battling really against well Doc done. Ock. I loved that. And the fact that it... Miles Morales, I think, is like the perfect ending to this book. I What they did, it just feels like it really could have been set up in the decade prior a little bit more because it feels like, oh yeah, Miles Morales is also um, one of his, his uh, students slash interns, whatever you want to call him, and he's now like instantly possessed by Doc Ock. Like, we don't get a feel for right. Miles Morales aside from that. We just, cultural knowledge-wise, understand who he is to yeah. some extent. Um, but I did like the fact that that was the end. It's like, no, like... Otto, let the boy go. You've already lived your life. You're well past your lifespan. Let the boy have his own life. And the fact that Mary Jane gives Miles Morales the old Spider-Man suit, and then he just puts it on, and like that is the um, finale to the book of basically just the legend being reborn again as Spider-Man was freaking phenomenal. Do you guys have any more thoughts on this book? Nope. It was a good... Uh... It was a very good read. Good enough where I had to buy it. A, a good half hour read? You did so half an hour? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, Holy I, cow. How'd you, minutes. how'd you skim it so fast? This one took me a good Wait, like, hour and a half. half an hour? All right. 45 minutes, I'll call This it. was a good, like, at least hour and a half for me. I'm, okay. I'm usually a bit of a speed reader when it comes to comics, but this one has so yeah. much in it. That's so why. that was uh, Spider-Man Life Story. So uh, we're going right into what we've been reading. So, Spencer, what have you been reading? Uh, so I'm going to... Yeah, uh, I read the entire Daredevil uh, Shadowland omnibus. That's a thick boy. That's a big one. So. Uh, more than a thousand pages, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it includes the main Shadowland event as well as all the spinoff uh, slash tie-in issues. Overall, I like most of the art in the main run. Um, I enjoy the biggest part of the thing that I enjoy is the fact that it is an, a big Marvel event. 
that's actually semi grounded in terms of it's the all it's a lot of the street level heroes. Yeah. There's some magic and other stuff, but it's a lot more. Uh, it, it's Daredevil, and Elektra and Luke Cage and Spider Man versus much bigger heroes, and I really enjoyed that. Um, some of the tie-in issues were a bit monotonous, and by a bit, I mean a lot of them were very monotonous, like a lot of tie-in issues are. Yeah. But I really enjoyed the main arc. It isn't anything overly complicated for the most part. Um, no massively complicated themes. It's just the way it is. It's a nice, straightforward story, and I enjoy it quite a lot. 1,112 pages. How long did it take you to read it? Uh, three sittings. So the book weighs six point three pounds. <laughs> um, each sitting was probably a good like two hours a piece. Oh my goodness! Uh, big big book. Uh, Can't get into that and over overly uh, too many details because it's just too much. Same. It's big. I enjoyed a lot. Thick. Very thick. With four C's. Colin, what have you been reading? So, I just finished. Moon Knight Volume 2. I finally finished it. It's pretty good. I was trying to start where I left off, and it was kind of like hard to remember what it was, so I read the whole thing again. It was this good. morning. It's a trade of like five issues. That's like a poop. <laughs> yes, but you also have to remember... Shut I'm the in f- artist! Up. Shut the f*** up. <laughs> um, I like how we measure our, our time increments in poops. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So, yeah, that was like a half of a poop. Wait a minute. That means that you read Shadowland in three poops? (laughs) My poops are not that long. Two hour long poops? (laughs) No. No, no, no. That's more like 16 poops. Come on. Yeah, that's 16 poops. Those are rookie numbers, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Bro, I poop like maybe twice a day. It's like 20 minutes. I don't bring books in there because I don't like bringing books in the bathroom anymore. Yeah, That's no, fair. I can't. Also, it's my copy of Shadowland. You're welcome. That I is rude. Don't that. eat or you know read while you're pooping with if you're using somebody else's book. Just general etiquette. Don't dog ear it. Don't put bookmarks in it. Just leave it alone. Leave it nice and tidy. Yep. Yeah, don't eat while you poop, please. Also, yes, don't <laughs> eat while you poop. So back to Moon Knight. Okay, so... Um, this book talks about more of like kind of political stuff because the last book, what it was, was just like Moon Knight starting out and everything, and this like bad guy that was like boom instantly defeated, which was cool. But the second one is about uh, to do with his doctor taking on the role of uh, Khonshu's son, or um, I forget what what it's called, but just the person that takes Khonshu's powers and abilities, and son of Khonshu. Yeah, son of Khonshu. And uh, he kind of loses his way and kind of, like, is shoved off into insanity. Uh, but one thing I'd like to uh, take away from this is that it was, like, a really good... I like the art. It reminds me of, like, thick charcoal. Like, mm-hmm. so, Ooh. like, thick charcoal drawings. Mm-hmm. I do like that type of art. Mm-hmm. And then everything else is colored in, like, ink. That's what it reminded me of. But nice. I love how it tells stories without words, uh, where it's, like, I'm going to say four by six squares so there's like you know uh rows of six and there's four of them blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. and how it does it is it's like it's not just like you fall square by square by square sometimes it's like square and then it's three squares that's like an l going downwards to show that i do like that sort of yeah i i haven't really read a comic that's done that too often but this is a theme so like it made it it's shtick you know i Mm -hmm. like shticks yeah i like shticks and this was it's 
I liked it. Um, it's a good read. I'm probably going to try to find number three, but it's probably going to cost like a hundred bucks. Yep. See and how that, that goes. is more than a dime. <sighs> yeah. Jacob, what have you been reading? I read the Ghost in the Shell Omnibus 1 and 2. I say Omnibus, they're like mini collections. You saw the first one. It's yeah. about, I don't know, an inch thick. Uh, mm-hmm. The one and a half was half of that, I guess. Um, I actually made a joke about one and a half. I was like, you know, I, I wasn't going to read two books in the same week oh, yeah. until I saw the one and a half one. I was like, oh, I could have that done before eight o'clock. Might as well get that one out of the way. I'm here to say I did not have it done by eight o'clock. Oh. I had it done by nine o'clock. Oh, that's not bad. <laughs> that's not bad. Um, interesting read. Uh, my, my first, uh, selection of manga ever. So that was interesting, trying to learn how to read manga and also understand the manga style of comics. Yeah. It's, it's a little different. Like the last frame of every issue had like a cartoon drawing <clears throat> and the characters have gone full retard and it's yep. like you're trying to be hokey i guess and it it just didn't do anything for me hmm. i think it might be a culture thing yeah so I, I mean that's cool do your own thing but in yeah. case you but haven't been able to it. tell from our voices we are a we are three white dudes <laughs> yeah it's amazing the detail the author has on super small details yeah, he I think when writes, you were reading, like when you were reading through the first one, you were like, "Look yeah. at these paragraphs!" Yeah, it's huge yeah. paragraphs on the smallest things. Hey, you it's see like, its toenail? Yeah, this got a here's full the, paragraph. Here's the backstory of this toenail's grandfather's cousin's roommate's sister's stepdog. Not that bad, but it's like uh, the best one I read was like uh, a chase scene: the cops chasing the bad guy through hallways and stuff. Oh. And he's like, I made it a huge point to not make it like the movies where the hero just runs into the room. I made my hero uh, perch behind a corner and peek and make sure that the coast was clear. So just things like that. Nice. Um, So just to be like, hey, I'm not stupid like them. This is why I did this. This is a dumb, uh, normal thing you see on tv and it drives me crazy so i made that sure sounds to... like me if i was gonna put footnotes and things yeah. honestly <laughs> i wouldn't mind if you put footnotes in, in like um, our comics but most of hmm. them were very spiritual and uh enlightenment political i guess oh, okay uh he's like here's what's going on in japan right now and i think it's really bad Here's what's going on in the rest of the world, and they're doing it right. We need to change our ways. So it's like huh. everything he's doing, like with the art and like the story, to it's obviously to do with the political uh, um, problems that are happening at the time that he's writing it. Uh, it's that what I can like. Assume? I said it's just a small detail. It, it doesn't really have a huge uh, bearing on the story. Mm-hmm. It's just an offhanded huh. comment. 
And then he goes that's, off on it in the quirky. notes. So he's just kind of like reading it with you. That's what kind of so sounds kinda like. kind of like a commentary. Yeah. Yeah, Just kind assorted of. details that are he, semi-relevant. He's talking about what inspired this offhand comment when he wrote the comic. Huh, that's cool. So um, like a character said something. He's like, yeah, this is why I had this character say this. Yeah. Huh. Yep. Okay, I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was really cool. I um, think I, I think that's good for... I'm sorry, you go. I don't understand most of what he's talking about mm-hmm. because I don't keep up on my Japanese politics. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the the spiritual notes too are really, really interesting. Um, he has a, a wide understanding of several religions and even... <laughs> Uh, whether I agree or disagree, it was well uh, worded. Mm-hmm. He's like, "This is what I think," and that's what it is. <laughs> like, I like he wasn't that. trying to convert you into anything. It's it, like, "This is my inspiration," and it, that's it. It's huh. kind of like just uh, his way of. So, like, you know how people will get lost in a comic, or sometime where like you will get lost in a comic, like not just you personally, but like. I've gotten lost in a comic before and, like, not knowing what's going on. I'm like, did I miss something? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of nice to know that it's like, oh, yeah, I wrote this because of this and this goes to that. And, like, that, that sounds like it's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. So uh, I have the second collection to read through, and then it will be available for you guys to borrow. Yes, Neat. sir. Thank you. Uh, so I also read uh, Superman, Lois, and Clark, which is an eight-issue miniseries published in 2016. Uh, it was written by Dan Jurgens, who is a Superman veteran, uh, and illustrated by Lee Weeks. So this was just before Rebirth. This was a Rebirth tie-in, or quote-unquote road to Rebirth. Um, so this basically takes place during the New 52, kind of. Long story short, <laughs> uh, the Superman, uh, Lois Lane, and thusly their... Um, child john uh during like just pre-flashpoint so like the the post-crisis pre-flashpoint era like the or you know late 90s early 2000s uh they were plucked out of time for various reasons and then they were shoved into the new 52 for more convoluted reasons this ties into the convergence event which was honestly pretty bad um but it's one of the positive things that came out of it so they were pl- so this like out like quote unquote our Superman, not the new fifty two, broody moody one that people don't like. Like the Superman that everybody remembers. Yep. Got plucked out of time. Oh, I remember and reading he is that. Basically living in secret, uh-huh. doing Superman but stealth mode. He and, was like, doing Superman. He is doing himself in the no, butt. Lo- <laughs> Lois Lane is doing Superman. What? Uh. <laughs> I don't want to know. Uh, so he's, you know, doing the Superman shtick, but he's, you know, he's saving people from disasters and handling some villains and stuff, but all doing it in stealth, in secret, because there is another Superman in this world, and during this pl- this this point, Superman has uh, already been revealed to the public by Lois Lane of the New 52 um, multiverse, like that world. Mm-hmm. So they're living in secret with their kid, who doesn't know that his dad is Superman, and it's a, it's... Saying Superman in small scale is kind of funny because there are also world-ending states and stakes in this as well. But it's actually like a small Superman story about Lois and Clark and their son John and how they've been raising him in the dark and him um, up until he's, I believe the book ends when he's like roughly 10. And he like finds out and then they find out he has powers 
and it, that was just really cool. Uh, the art is really nice. I wouldn't say phenomenal, but Lee Weeks is a really good um, penciler. It's mm-hmm. clean and simple for the most part. Uh, it's it's nice and tidy. It reads well uh, with the words, and Dan Jurgens is freaking killer when it comes to writing Superman stories. And it's just a unique story. And also it brings back the black suit, but without the mullet and the really wide neckline, so it actually looks really freaking sweet. So, like, Lois just makes slash works with somebody to make this suit so Superman can still kind of look like Superman, but do it stealthily mm-hmm. because black equals stealth. Of course. Um, so he can just back up all the heroes of this new world that, they're, that they've been shoved in uh, but do it secretly so they don't actually know what's happening. And that was, it's just a really unique concept for a Superman book, as far as I'm aware with the stuff I've read. And I really, really, really enjoyed it. Cool. So I meant to explain uh, the one and a half uh, collection was after Ghost in the Shell was released, there was like a yearly release of one comic book that was intermingled in the original storyline so that's what the one and a half was it was just the collection of oh, short stories okay, that, that makes sense. gets mixed in with the original story oh, and then okay. 2.0 is going to be a legit continuation of the gotcha. main story so colin what else have you been reading mm, honestly i think that's it the back of the shampoo bottle when he poops <laughs> that is what we all end up reading when we find oh, our phones i am reading daredevil I can't remember which one it is. I'll tell you guys next Daredevil, week. Daredevil, something or other. Stay tuned. Nice. Yep, stay tuned. Nice. So, Jacob, what else have you been reading? So, inspired by season two of The Umbrella Academy, oh. I got my grubby hands on the audiobook version of oh. 112263 by Stephen King. Ooh. Which is also about the JFK assassination. Huh. Are we going to go save JFK? We're going to go save JFK. <laughs> I can't even do it. <laughs> I haven't seen season you two. You need to finish season two. You need to start season two again. I. Also true. Guys, I have so much, so many things to watch. Yeah, so this many is your job. So do we, dude. <laughs> do you think we have any more time than you do? No. Yeah. Not um, really. Yeah. So, 112263 by Stephen King uh, is about the assassination of John Fitzgerald Kennedy and trying to prevent it via time travel. Oh? Oh, yeah. So, uh... Time I, travel! <laughs> so, 112263, uh, time travel, save JFK... <laughs> Uh, good story. Typical Stephen King story, though. It runs really long. But Stephen King not doing a horror book. I mean, there were still some typical Stephen King horror topics mixed in there. Like what? Uh, uh, Rabid dog. Killer car. No. Killer clown from outer space. Giant turtle. (laughs) <laughs> you haven't hit one yet. I was thinking more of the abusive family oh, dynamics. That one. that one. Uh child porn. What Stephen <laughs> King books have you been reading? It. Uh he's right though. Yeah, okay. Uh Did it did the ending <clears throat> feel like his wife wrote it while she was on cocaine like most okay, of his books? Okay, so that's not fair because 
my phone upgraded to Android 11, and for some reason, every single freaking time I tried to play audio through it, it would start stuttering like it was buffering after three whole minutes of listening. So what I had to do is put it on like triple speed to finish the effing book and keep my phone screen on the whole time. Okay, so at triple speed, the ending was a little rough. You are a trooper. Whoa. So I should A round of applause. Read the last chapter again at some point in my life. Fair enough. But it is a good story. I enjoyed it. That's on my list Uh, of things I actually want to read from Stephen King that don't include his horror books because me no like horror. Actually treated time travel pretty well. His own rendition of it is pretty good. So that's cool. What have you been reading, Spencer? I have more. Uh, I read Batman Curse of the White Knight. You cannot talk about that. You can that literally very much not talk about because that. I am going to give a one sentence <clears throat> opinion that does not include any spoilers, okay? And I have a question at the end. Okay. It's an eight issue miniseries. Public, technically, the, the book I read is a nine issue because it's an eight issue series, and then there's a spin off book in the end, yep. which is a Mr. Freeze book. Um, published in 2019, written and illustrated by Sean Murphy. Uh, gorgeous art and designs. The writing is a little bit weaker than the previous book. Oof. And I love how they twist the, the previously established Batman canon in very strange and sometimes actually expected ways. That is my summary. That is as far as I'm going to get into it because in a couple of months, once we finally get to it, that is one of our topics of primary topics of discussion. And Colin is about to murder me for saying literally anything about this book. Yeah, because I just started it, like, right before we were recording. Yep. Tonight. Ouch. So, am I going to like this one? I think you will like this a lot more because it has a lot less of the stuff that you didn't like from the first book. It is something very factual. No spoilers. So, uh, Sean Murphy has said that he has three to five, like, major books planned for this, quote-unquote, Murphyverse, as DC's calling it now. Okay. There's, There's the White Knight. Yeah. Uh, which is a political thriller. There is Curse of the White Knight, which is a historical thriller. Okay. And then the third one is, I believe, going to be called Sci-fi Beyond thriller. the... Yeah, it's called Beyond the White Knight. It's like a Blade Runner-esque. <gasps> when oh. Batman... Later in the timeline, I can't go into anything about that. And then I don't know where the other two books are going. He hasn't mentioned anything about them, but... I Time think... travel. Have I ever told you guys <laughs> I love cyberpunk so Yes, much? we know. I agree. I think you'll like this one more because of the the type of stories you enjoy. This is a okay. very, this is more fantastical and. And to fa- be fair, I didn't know that White Knight was supposed to be a political thriller. Yeah. So, that was my big complaint about it. This is so, not having a heads up beforehand on like what to expect. He, uh, yeah. Okay. Also, <laughs> fair enough. Keep your freaking politics out of my freaking comic books. <laughs> but that's my soapbox, Colin. Anything else? Am I going to be disappointed by this comic? I think you're going to have a similar opinion to me, which is because we kind of have the same brain when it comes to most things Batman-related. <clears throat> this is true. Uh, I can't go into too much about it. I think you're going to be with Jacob in the sense of enjoying the setting difference and the tonal difference. I don't. I think some of the decisions you might disagree with, um, the, the, some of the twists of how canon is operated, but I think you're going to find a lot of it to be very interesting, if nothing else. Jacob, have you been reading anything else? Negative. 
But my first entry counted as two books, so I'm up to three. Fine. Okay. I still have another one, and I'm still winning. I win, but... uh, Also, you had two weeks to win. Also true. (laughs) But also, Shadowland beats all of your books combined. Yeah, that is true. (laughs) Uh, So the last thing I I read, which I just threw in last night, um, was Captain America Living Legend. It's a four-issue miniseries published in 2014, written by Andy Diggle, and um, illustrated by Adi Granov and Augustin Alesso, I believe is how you pronounce it. Sure. It's a very, it's very short. It, I read it in actually about thirty minutes. Tiny little trade. Picked it up for like five dollars. It was great. Uh, the art is absolutely stunning. It's that. It's. I don't want to say painter painted or painterly because it's not quite that, but it's the. It's in a hyper realistic style. It the the color palette is very muddy and. Kind of like Batman Damned. Kind of, but not. I wouldn't say that textured, but more like similar but a little cleaner um it's not that like it's not Mayo like gross gritty it's like actually just it's there and it's uh, nearing photorealism somewhere in that range all right um i think you're gonna love the art it, it, the 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 things that you usually get set off by i didn't notice any of but i also don't notice as many things so it has a lot of it's very rich in texture uh has a thick color palette the story is very thick short and concise palette. there aren't any there are themes, but it's not a a, um, a theme heavy book. It's just kind of to the point. <laughs> but the thing that stood out the most to me was the fact that it's a sci-fi horror book. Ooh, I'm in. But for Captain America, I am. Would so you have in. ever thought of that? Like that? It's so the the enemies Maybe are. Maybe if I was on a deserted island, right, all by myself with a lot of rum. Yeah, it's a the the enemy is I relate. like a techno organic sort of deal. Techno orgasmic? No, techno organic. Oh, so Lame. it it no, it's great. Think, um, Jacob, the other huh? epic gamer in the room. You know also the, the orgasmic. <laughs> <laughs> you know the the husks. I don't remember the actual species name from Mass Effect from the first one. Like the nope, never played it. Dang it. Anyway, it's a, it's it's very interesting. It's kind of gross, but it's not like horror book. It's terrifying. Like it's just it's a bit gross and serious. And I I quite enjoyed it, especially for a Captain America book because some of those books are really really bad. I'm in. Strong recommend. All right, I mean, moving on to our last segment of the day. What have we been watching, Colin? What have you been watching this week? Okay, so one. I haven't finished, so I'll talk about it at the end. Two, I finished watching The Lobster. Oh. An A24 film. Ooh. Okay, so. Jacob is immediately checked out of the building. I don't know it. It's weird. It's so weird. Short summary, Colin. Is it okay. Like enemy so, weird, though? Like what? Enemy? I haven't less, finished. I didn't, it's less than I didn't than get that. to even finish Enemy. Is it, all right, is it Lighthouse weird? Okay, so. In, A little bit yeah, lighter, kinda. but not quite so far. Yeah, I'm checked out. (laughs) Okay, so, in a near future world, single people are hunted and forced to find mates within 45 days or be turned into animals and banished to the wilderness. And the thing was, I I misread it and I thought it said, like, treated like animals. I'm like, okay. And then I, (laughs) so, I, uh, pull, I'm watching the movie and we start the movie and the first thing you see is an animal, like, someone uh, is driving and they go off to the side of the road and they just shoot a random animal and then that's the end of the scene. And Abby says, 
oh, who's that she shot? I'm like, it's just an animal. And she's like, yeah, but don't they get turned into animals? I'm like, what do you mean? And just a, what do you mean? So it's, Colin is just a ding-dong. And so I misread it, and I realized, oh, man, that's something. And so the whole movie is about that. And it's like they go to this hotel and everything. It's like, you know, trying to find mates. But the whole thing is, like, to do with the talk about uh, to find relationship and the per- perfect relationship. And it's like they have there's this perpetuated uh, idea that you need to be alike to have a good relationship when reality a good relationship is opposites attracting not um because if a girl has a bloody nose and she's pretty you're going to smash your head on the table and make yourself have a bloody nose just so you can have a relationship with her and it's lie a to very her violent film it's very odd and you're not tone. and you're not going to find a just because this woman has no feelings doesn't mean you should go and not have feelings and let her kick your dog to death so how did you and Spencer get together if you're so alike? Oh, good point. I don't know. I have a small pee-pee. <laughs> I have a big pee-pee. <laughs> My stream's not as strong as his. <laughs> Fire engine house. <laughs> Jacob, what is the lobster? Oh, um, really good. Unsatisfied by the end until, I, until Spencer did a little bit of research for me. And Typical. I understood what it was. And the only way that I was able to tell you what, like, the main theme was, was when he said he was trying to, to be, like, the last woman he was with. And I was like, oh, everything makes sense now. Gotcha. He had a big brain moment. It's, once you understand what happened at the end, it's like everything's, like, <laughs> you understand it. Nice. You would Definitely not like not it. enjoy it. I want no, you to watch it. This is not for me. I want you. Jacob to, I want really you to doesn't like. We need to I stop recommending those types to of movies punch to him. Spencer in the face after <laughs> I watched Lighthouse because that was the second one in a row. <laughs> yeah. I was violently angry. Really? We not actually... a fatty lobster. <laughs> were you really not like? I watched the enemy and then the lighthouse and was died. <laughs> I was so angry. Really? Okay, so like enemies on Hulu, but you can only get like watch it if you're it's like Hulu Prime or like Hulu Plus. Not Prime. Hulu is such trash. And honestly. I'm like, dude, I hope it dies. Yep. Not not also, until not until I finished Cowboy Bebop and Naruto. Uh, nice. And Hellstrom. Also true. Yeah. Uh, Jacob, what have you been watching? I finished the five episodes I had left of the seven episode show, Dragon's Dogma. Ooh. Which is... Did the CGI continue to be really good and then really bad? Uh, they stopped having uh, poorly CG'd monsters until the very end when they finally find the dragon again. And I think the dragon was animated better in the finale than in the original uh, in the first episode. So... Nice. The, the animation was back to normal. That's good. Yumminess. Instead Yummy. of nasty. Stop motion. Yeah. So did that you enjoy that? Now that you've seen the uh, entire series, did you enjoy it? I I am a little nervous about how to talk about this because I don't want to spoil it for you guys. So you want us to watch it? Yes. Interesting. What service is this on? Netflix. Nito Burrito. It is made by the poor <clears throat> and suffering Netflix anime team uh... that I don't think has shat out anything good yet. Yep. Except maybe this. This is a solid three out of five stars. Three out of five. Uh, maybe so that's a three and a half. They, they just released. I think. Uh, no, I saw. So that's a strong, one. mediocre to good. 
Yes. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Um, all right, I'll go for it. So episodes two through six felt like the same thing, different themes, but it was like generic fantasy setting, uh, same cyclical story, but the finale, when they meet the dragon, was like... I don't know how to explain it. Like, somebody took all the strings in one hand and just pulled, and it, like, pulled the whole story together into one... That's a way to phrase it. ...actually quality story. It was like, this makes sense. I understand the titles now. I understand the cyclical... The cyclical episodes in the middle. Like, it wasn't just a waste time. And it was... <clears throat> Everything Quality. had a purpose. It was a great ending. Nice. Uh, Would you recommend it to me? I already he did. He just do it. did, dude. I'm sorry. Also, the dragon's soapbox at the end was like spot on. Wait, what? The 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 dragon is monologuing at the end, and it was like, oh, I agreed with him quite a bit. So you're a dummy. Interesting. Very good. Also. Second course of anime titties this week. So, oh, more anime titties. Yep, after Ghost in the Shell. It's a lot of anime titties this it week. I understand what you were talking about in the opening. In uh, Ghost in the Shell? And Dragon's Dogma. And it's, Dragon's a Dogma. it's a lot of anime, anime titties. titties this week. Oh, you started watching? I'm sorry, I'm so lost. Jacob's opening joke was about having so many anime titties this week. So between yes. Ghost in the Shell and Dragon's Dogma, uh, a lot yeah. of anime titties. Ghost in the Shell has a lot of titties. Uh, so, um, Spencer, I, what were you watching? Uh, I watched Batman Assault on Arkham, Ooh. uh, which is the, um, DC animated film tie-in to the Arkham universe. It takes place after Arkham Origins, but before Arkham Asylum. I just want to ask you right now, is it better than Deathstroke, Knights in Exposition? It's got Terminal Horny. I have, I haven't watched Deathstroke knights and dragons yet as i was not here last episode now, I, I can actually tell you i can give you that answer <laughs> oh really it is far better is i'd rather because... be tormented by assault on arkham than deathstroke can i talk about assault on arkham is, though is that because it has the terminal horny it, yeah it, it absolutely that's exactly why colin gives it any sort of credence at all that's what i figured Two thumbs um, up. anime titties <laughs> <laughs> so on that actually was my first thought when when I watched it. Anime that, titties? No. Oh. Yes. The movie has terminal horny. Like, it's equal to the rest of the Arkham series, um, which kicked off the trend of Harley Quinn being slutty. Vi- yeah, it, it's that's where that it really started. Really did, didn't it? It did. I don't um, know. I haven't seen this one. <clears throat> I mean, like I, Arkham I, Asylum, the game. Yeah, Arkham yeah. Asylum started it, so oh, thusly okay. this series continued it. I would recommend this to you, especially as an epic gamer and terminal horny. Aside from that part, mm. um, so it definitely pushes its PG thirteen, uh, not in terms of like language for the most part, but it definitely in terms of like amount of skin shown slash. Killer Frost. General amount of sexual uh, stuff in it. But it, it feels very well in line with the rest of the Arkham universe. I thought, the for the most part, the timeline is very well thought out. Um, it fits in well. The <coughs> characters line up with where they are after Origins, but before Asylum. There's mm-hmm. a lot to play with. They redesign a few characters in some ways. Some of them are exactly how they were in the game previous slash game after. Um, 
But the th something why this is kind of relevant again is because of the new Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League game, it looks like this is theoretically getting retconned out of continuity because what? King Shark is in the, the Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, which is apparently canon to the Arkhamverse. Uh, Ki King Shark has an entirely different design, and he also died in this movie. He got his freaking head blown off. He did. He died. Um, as well as uh, the the more superficial things in terms of Floyd Lawton slash Deadshot being white in the Arkhamverse, including this movie, and then now with the Suicide Squad game, he is African American, and assorted things like that. But I really enjoyed how they handled um, the Batman, Joker, Harley Quinn like dynamic, because Batman is in this, but it's not a terribly Batman-centric movie. It is very well Justice League slash Harley Quinn movie. Uh, Harley Quinn was very well, uh, developed. She wasn't, yeah, she was very, um, uh, prom mm, promiscuous slash, um, attention-seeking, however you want to phrase it. But she was also a very intelligent character, even though she's a bit of a dunce at times, uh, obviously. That's, it, it was very well in line with her character. She didn't feel overly dumbed down or overly horny just to make her horny. Right. It fit in well. She's um, vexing. Ooh. Vexing, that's a good way to put it. Um, the, the also true. Movie. The the relationship between her and the Joker I thought was really well done because it's in a very different place than it was in either of the two games before and after this. Uh, I thought the animation itself was phenomenal, especially mm. for a lot of these DC movies have very low budget in terms of like mm -hmm. frame rate. Like it's very choppy. This one was very mm -hmm. smooth. The nice. designs had I can that. agree with you on that. The designs were, for the most part, pretty well ripped out of the games. And if it was something they were changed or a character that wasn't in the games, it felt well in line and it blended well with the animation style. Nice. Um, yeah. And the plot was like dead simple and I really liked it. There was like one twist in it, no, like two twists in it, and that was about it. It wasn't overly complex. It was just fun, a lot of good characters, good dynamic, and never felt like anybody was shortchanged. Cool. And Harley Quinn's very attractive in this movie. Like excessively so. Near excessively so. It's a lot. Yeah. So I'm not the only one that's terminally horny but no here in the room. i've never denied it Ooh, colin's a killer frost man he, he like... likes some cold this is true <laughs> yeah you do like cold dead ones oh <laughs> that's getting cut <laughs> colin what else have you been watching Anything? okay so Anything? i you know i started watching good time uh, which has Robert Pattinson in it. That is a very and good movie. It's to do with these two brothers that uh, are in a robbery. They rob a bank, and as they're running away from the cops, uh, the younger brother, who is mentally challenged, gets caught and is put into prison. But they soon realize that, oh, he's not really at fault because he's just following his brother because he's mentally challenged, so he can't really tell or he can't like not he, he doesn't fully understand what he's doing and so that's kind of where i am in the movie right now so far it's really good it's one of robert pattinson's best performances i think from all the movies i've seen him in so far i would definitely which agree is with you low which is like a low amount um but yes i am i am enjoying it at the moment second recommended on imdb is the lighthouse i'm not watching it's not it is an art house movie in the sense of it is it is very uh like creator driven mm -hmm. but this is not a metaphysical 
spiritual. This is very literal. The only thing you can get close to that is the director slash writers, um, the Safdie brothers, said basically this character has a superpower in the sense of he, he doesn't, but he is so intuitive he understands what people want like he can see the future mm -hmm. but only like three seconds in front of him hmm. so he's constantly running around barely scraping by by the like the, oh yeah by he's the so... skin of his teeth but somehow he's still doing he's it. he's manipulative he's uh it's he impressive. knows exactly how to manipulate people this is a, it's a phenomenal performance the score is off the walls mm -hmm. phenomenal i can't spoil anything else because colin hasn't finished it but he, he, i really uh, really recommend he's manipulative where like he he asks a bunch of questions and he reads people. What it is is he's just reading people and he's like, oh okay, I can tell what you want. Mm -hmm. And so he just plays off. Of and it, it goes very well with the um, the the writers slash directors also said they literally made this role for Robert Pattinson. Oh. They're just like there is no other option. This is just the way it goes. He sought them out a while back and was like, hey, I want to work with you. And they're like, okay, and then just made a movie pretty much. Oh. Uh, a lot of the one of the cool details was that a lot of the extras had no idea they were extras. They were just regular civvies. They're just filming stuff with this dude running around getting chased by people and they just shot it on location. Cool. Which is really neat. Very strong recommend. Yes. That's the end of my guy. <clears throat> Jacob. So I'm not gonna name what I've been playing. But because I I'm not done with it yet. Oh. I started playing it because I saw an article saying you have to play this uh if you can't wait for cyberpunk you gotta play this and i was like all right sure i'll play that um even though the descriptive words for it uh i'm like i'm not really into those kinds of games it's all right like it is so good and uh the internet gods say that it takes eight hours to beat it and i'm about three hours in maybe four so i should have it done by next week but I don't have it done because ODST dropped this week and interrupted me. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. So. Huh? Let's not have a conversation about that. ODST? Yeah. Why? It's late. It's late. <laughs> All right. We won't talk about ODST. Please don't. This week. Okay. Next week, though. Hell when yeah. I've got both games done. <laughs> Tell me the genre of this game. Cyberpunk. That is I'm afraid an artistic put, style, not I'm the genre to put of labels game. On ding it dong. Because it can still be a genre. I almost dummy. didn't play it because of the labels that were on it, and I started playing it, and it was really, really good. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. It's, all right. You are a big tease. You look like <sighs> you're going crazy right now. Yeah, I want to freaking talk about it, but I can't because I need. Words assembled better. <sighs> Walking simulator horror game. I know what you're talking about, and I'm not going to bring it up. Okay. I'm on board with you. I agree with all your opinions. I'll exactly what you're saying, and I know what you're talking about. <sighs> talking about all right. It's all right. We'll talk about it next week. Uh, have you been watching anything else, Spencer? My last piece of been you watching. You suck. You win both. Yeah, buddy. Uh, I watched Tron Legacy, which is... Again... I love this movie, regardless of its some pretty obvious flaws. I love Tron Legacy way too much. This came out in, I believe, 2010 or 2011. This was really? latest of 2013. No, definitely no later than that. I was going to say 2014. Really? I think so. I could, there's no Let way. Let me fact check. Twenty ten. Yes. 
Um, I really liked the original Tron when I was a kid, even though I had no idea what was going on. But this came out when I was 9 slash 10. So this piqued all my interest. It's got sci-fi. It's got a little bit of fantasy. It's about video games and technology. And it's got big spiritual themes. And also it's shiny. And the lights are really pretty. And the music is dope as shit. So it caught my attention then and it's retained it up until now. And it's never going to go away. Cool. Um, yeah, no. Like, this, some, certainly a couple of the visual effects haven't held up super great, but I think for the most part, them in combination with the, like, really good designs um, and the amount of practical effects work, it looks like a lot of it's digital, but a lot of it was actually practical effects to get all the lighting and stuff in place. Yep. It holds up really well. The performances are pretty solid, and I like the fact that Jeff Bridges is just playing the dude, but in a video game, <laughs> and it's great. So I've never seen The Big Lebowski. You need to watch The Big Lebowski. 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 Yeah. Lebowski. I freaking yeah no I I love Tron Legacy. I have one more thing that I watched because I went to the theater this week. The theater. The theater. The I'm theater. just gonna read my my review and then I'll be done with it. What's I watched the title. Infidel, which you might have seen an advertisement for in front of other movies. Maybe. Uh, long story short, it's about a Christian blogger boy who uh, gets invited to speak at a conference in Cairo, uh, ends up basically preaching to Muslims on air, or that's how it's construed, and then he gets kidnapped. And, I was going to say, that's a good idea. Yeah, he got kidnapped and uh, beaten by various parties involved, including the Iranian government. It is not based on direct events, but it is based upon um, a lot of collective stories of a lot of um, press and journalism journalists from the past couple of decades mm -hmm. in terms of um, the, let's say, jihad going on right now and has been for a while. Um, so uh, the structure of the film is easily its largest issue, but its desire to balance political intrigue and a faith-based message is very admirable. Solid performances all around, but the cinematography and editing outside of a few sequences leaves a lot to be desired. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good watch. It's not very long. It's like an hour and 45 minutes. Um, starring Jim Caviezel. I was just going to say, it's Jesus playing Christian Blogger Boy. Big surprise. He's also played, I believe, Paul in one of the other more recent good faith-based movies. Um, I would not say that this is a faith-based movie. It's very, it's one of its heavier themes, but I think it's more into the political aspect of the conflict. But I think it balances both fairly well. It approaches it with some nuance. The script is a bit clunky. There's some bad lines, there's some silly stuff, but I, I thought it was fairly respectful of both sides, even though obviously there is still good guys and bad guys. It is respectful of both Christians and Muslims, as well as atheists, and the, the political messiness of the situation going on with the wars in the Middle East. So wow. I enjoyed it. Wow. Recommend to both of you, actually, because this is the type of stuff that we kind of all enjoy collectively. And it's interesting that you're calling it out because I avoid, as you termed them, faith-based movies as if they're the plague i know because i also no 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 not the plague the coronavirus <laughs> nice which is funny because i also do the same thing but if it has any sort of hint of being at least worthy of like having potential i'm attracted to them on the unholy level of i need to watch it to see if it's worthy of like watching again like to recommend to people because i really want good faith-based movies i get the idea I agree with you on a lot of them. I don't like the idea of preaching as a movie, but I like the idea of having faith 
movies based in spirituality and religion and such um but usually they're just approached in such a horrid manner that they're not worth your time but on occasion there's some decent ones and i think overall they've gotten better so i would recommend this to both of you so i would rather watch bad horror movies (laughs) that's just because there are titties in horror movies no you know what because it's it, so painful and insulting to the viewer to watch. You know, I'd rather watch than faith-based movies. I'd rather watch Deathstroke, Knights and Dragons. <laughs> Man, you guys really did not like that. Oh, no, dude, it was so bad. <laughs> just because the fact you guys liked it, the universe will deem me to love it just to be different. Yep. Yep. It's going to be a running gag now. <laughs> so now that this podcast is over, thank you for listening to episode 10 of the Dime Comic Bros podcast. As stated previously, and every episode, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as send us an email at dimecomicbros at gmail.com. You can listen to this podcast on YouTube, as well as Spotify. If you would like to visit our Patreon and be supportive of this endeavor of ours, please feel free to visit us at patreon.com forward slash dimecomicbros. Also, this is where we would read the credits of all the uh, appropriate Patreon uh payers if you hit the proper tier also true and an example would be thank you to my Peter mom. boy 3283 oh. xx thank you oh xx sorry about the xx gamer girl <laughs> gamer girl 420 <laughs> big titty goth bitch <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your Thank fish. you for your fake donations. <laughs> this is where we would say it. <laughs> uh, so tune us, tune in next week. Um, <gasps> for what are we doing next week, we are gonna be uh, talking about Dread, the 2012 <gasps> film. Oh, I'm yeah. excited. I've never seen it. Oh, Me either. Oh, this is gonna be a good. Spencer's this. the only one that's seen I it. I love this movie so much. Oh boy, this is gonna be a fun one. Welcome back to the Dime Comic Bros podcast, episode ten. We've officially made it to double D's now. We're <laughs> gonna pause it now so that Con can call about his pizza. His pizza. Yes, it's been an hour. Listen here, bitch. I want my pizza. Ridiculous. Okay, so yeah. we need to do this every time. We Ugh, talk you're gonna about do a this again. Yes, we have to do this every it's time. It's a comic show. We have to do this every time. This has been Comic Book ASMR with Colin. You're welcome. <laughs> so I think we should talk Explain about that this. that wet spot in your shorts, Colin. I will not. Sorry, it's late. Dude, it's 7.30. <laughs> Whoa, nuh-uh. No, it's 8 o'clock. That's what I thought. <laughs> <sighs> Are you waiting on me? <laughs> I'm waiting You're the on one who anybody. wants to give summary. <laughs> no, so we no, gotta I mean, if you, don't, if you don't want me to, that's fine. Oh, I was just... summary, dude. So on, uh, you know, like, uh, breaks at work are like 30 minutes, but like, it took me two of those. And then like, when I got home, when he was here, I think what it was, was my coworker was just distracting me. I hate that. I hate it. Cause it's just like, they're bored. So now I'm reading. So he's like, hey, what, oh, what are you about? reading? What's up? Oh, Spider-Man. What's it about? Spider-Man. It's like, shut up. No, yeah. I'm trying to freaking read it. I'm trying to do my side job. Leave me alone. Yup. 
I do love telling people that at work when I'm when I'm like reading when it's a slow period. They're like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm doing my second job while getting paid for my first job." Yep. And my boss is totally okay with it, and it's great. Nice. So I get to do it during work hours. I don't even have to be on a break as long as it's slow enough. I can just stand at the desk and read. And we're back after having stuffed our faces with uh, Colin's hot and fresh hour and a half late uh, pizza delivery. I like the fact that we're going to mention, like, every time we stop to pee or have food. That's just become I, a pattern. I have nothing else to start it back up with, though. I, like, I want them to know so they know how what we're up to, you know? Because they're, like, listening. They're just... kind of a part of the conversation, but they're, like, on the other side of the window. Fair. Mm. Okay. Oh, there's a finger in the air. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Oh, bro, that's, like, open. Oh, f dude. Go wipe. That was wet. <laughs> oh. Definitely gonna have to go poop soon. <laughs> Check myself out. <laughs> Thank you. Dude. Oh, that's bad. No. <laughs> no. Stop touching. Jacob's tired. <laughs> We're just losing our shit. He's just going full dead, which is, is full solid. pumpkin. Sorry. Another one. Put a cork in it. <laughs> Literally. That was so warm. Give me the honors of putting the cork in. I will go get my uh, thumb in. No, biggest butt plug I can find. What? Oh, that's what do you mean you can find? It's in your freaking trunk. <laughs> what? Did you put it in there? Did you at least clean it when you were done with it? No, you like it dirty. <laughs> oh, I want to throw you it. You like some poop on there. <laughs> Very easy for him to throw up. <laughs> Apparently. Anything else? I can't interlink my toes with your toes because I'm interlink. wearing socks. Interlink. 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 Do you feel passion when you interlink, interlink toes? <laughs> interlink. <laughs> Blade Runner 2049. I made that reference with <laughs> She's like, I know that from something. What's it from? Yes. I'm like, interlink, interlink. And interlinked. Yeah, so I, uh, I told her. Interlinked. Like, oh my gosh, I totally remember that. Have you interlinked toes? I'm a good Christian boy, I can't talk about that. <laughs> oh boy. Not before marriage. Oh boy. Alright. That's how babies are made. Oh, I know. 